0: This is Live Wild's Connection Matters podcast, bringing together heart-centered, nature-connected, curious people who share the inquiry. How can we create a connected and meaningful way of living that brings more health, happiness and growth to our world? My name is Leona Johnson, and I am your host. This is episode two. Well, hello, beautiful humans. Welcome back to episode two of the Connection Matters podcast. I'm really excited about bringing a discussion about permaculture to you straight away because it's something that's inspired me so much throughout my life and I feel like it really is one of the gifts that will lead us into a better future. If you don't know anything about permaculture then this is a great podcast for you because we really talk about all of its fundamental ethics and a lot of what's already out there in terms of permaculture projects and if you do know about permaculture then I still think that there's a lot here that is of interest. Andy talks a lot about his early journey as a young seeker of something like permaculture and when he found it and then the rise of permaculture and its growth and then of course about the uh, specific applications of permaculture and the many and varied ways that it could guide us into a better way of living. So it's a rich conversation right up until the very end. Listening to the end also really helps us with our ratings. We're a new podcast and when people listen to the end and rate it and especially when they leave reviews, it really helps people to know about us and it pushes us further up in iTunes and the other podcast providers. We'd love to keep this podcast going on an ongoing basis and to support that we have set up a Patreon account. Patreon is a way that people who like the podcast and want to support us can get access to bonus episodes and extra recordings and solo episodes from me sometimes and sometimes we get giveaways from the guests So if this sounds like something that you would be interested in, or if you'd just like to support us, then we'd be so grateful for you to help us in this ethical way of raising funds to make us sustainable. So without further ado, this is Andy Goldring. Hello, Andy Goldring. Thank you so much for... um, Joining me for Connection Matters podcast, it's really nice to Pleasure. to yeah have this chance to speak with you. It's been quite a long time. Yeah. I I don't even know if you'll remember, but I did my first introduction to permaculture course about fifteen or sixteen years ago at the ATC in Hebden Bridge. Oh yes. And Great. that was, yeah, with you. And it was just a weekend. It was the old ATC on the canal. And, uh, that was my first, oh, yeah. first sort of yeah. dive into what permaculture is, which oh. intrigued me from the beginning. And then we did the, the earth activist training. So, um, which was, you know, two and a half weeks, wasn't it? Of really intense and yeah. amazing, uh, uh, training around permaculture and activism and earth-based spirituality, which what a combination! Think, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, it
1: was intense for me as well.
0: Yeah,
1: I mean, I think they're intense for teachers, but um, yeah, I felt like I, I was at the edge of my my learning there as well. So,
2: yeah,
1: I think um, my my favorite freight learning quote is, you know, learning is not knowing, mm-hmm. and um, if you don't know something, then obviously there's a lot to learn. Yeah, and I, I felt like there was a lot, a lot. I learned a lot there yes that's, um, I'm sure as well it's yeah
0: great. it was it was um and I'd yeah I'd love to talk a bit more about that maybe in a bit before we go into that I'd love to just start with a bit of gratitude I always like to start with gratitude at the beginning of these podcasts and actually at the beginning of any meeting that's that's my norm just connecting on that positive yeah. level I'm grateful for today I am grateful today hmm I'm grateful for Inspiration. I'm grateful for the early morning, actually, because that's often when I wake up and have my most creative thoughts and ideas. And this morning I woke up and had some really creative thoughts about where I want to go with uh, this podcast and uh, exciting responses to one of the interviews I did yesterday. So, um, yeah, that's what I'm grateful for today.
1: Lovely, wonderful. So I can share my gratitude today. So, um, yeah, I, 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 guess before I say what they are, I think I agree with you that the, you know, we need to flex our gratitude mus- muscles more often generally. Mm-hmm. I think it's, they're really, really powerful and so good. I think, um, we often, we often tr- compare ourselves to all the amazing things that other people are doing and all the big stuff and make you feel a bit lowly. But uh, I think we generally have a lot to be grateful for. And the more we appreciate it, but the happier we are. Um, so today I am in particular today. I'm, I'm grateful for my parents actually. Uh, they sent me a, a lovely gift today, which just reminds me how loved I am and how appreciated I am completely unconditionally without any, you know, real judgment or barrier. And it's so, Wonderful to have people in your life that really do appreciate you for who you are, whatever you are. And um, yeah, my parents were an inspiration to me and I guess um, helped me strive to be as non judgmental and as loving for my children. So uh, yeah, I'm very grateful to have um, very kind, loving parents. And um, I'm also very grateful for, similar to yours actually, about mine, I'd say was the kind of a sky. I'm, I live in the middle of a city and, um, for me, waking up in the morning, I can look out the window and, and, and really the sky is wild. And, you know, I'm very lucky. I live, I live most of the way up a hill in Leeds. And, um, I can, I've got a big sky and yeah, it is a wild space and I really, over the last few years, I've been really appreciating the sky as a wild space. And what that does is it helps me to to connect into nature, even though I'm in a very urban, built-up area. You know, actually, mm. it's wild everywhere. So mm. I really appreciating the sky. And, and the, the, the particular blessing today was um, the fact that the sky sent me two goldfinches. And... Um, I only saw them very briefly. I've, I've got um, a little kind of goldfinch uh, bird food feeder in my garden with sort of seeds, which is good for them. And I, I rarely see them, but I often see them flying away. <laughs> so I, I saw them flying away today. And um, just that flash of colour. And they've got a very playful um, uh, flight pattern. So they're kind of – some birds just go straight ahead. Whereas goldfinches kind of go up and down and up and down and up and down and it, it's like they're playing. It's, mm. it's almost like they, they kind of fly a bit like I imagine dolphins play in the water. You know, they're kind of in the water and going up and down. And so that was really, really beautiful to see. So, uh, yeah,
0: they're mine stay, I think. Mm, oh, I will definitely join you with all of those gratitudes. You know, I'm very lucky to have two very loving parents as well who've always supported me unconditionally, which helps me strive to be that way with my children. And also yeah. the goldfinches, actually. My um, garden is very small, but I've got an, an apple tree. Mm-hmm. And lo- it was... Uh, last year really for the first time I saw goldfinches and they come regularly Um, I try and put some seeds out for them but my next door neighbor is fantastic Uh, I mean he he must have uh, 20 or 30 different bird feeding stations in a tiny little yard and so I think he draws them in, and then they pop over to the apple tree, and uh, and we get to see quite a lot of them—goldfinches and bullfinches as well, actually. Which I've, I but I've never seen bullfinches in the garden until this year. So, yeah, it's quite exciting. Yes. Have that little bit of wildness right outside my window. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Lovely. And I used to think goldfinches actually were quite rare, um, but I, when I looked it up, actually, they are one of the birds that I think are rising in number.
2: Yeah,
1: they are, um, that's right.
2: Yeah. yeah,
0: so so that's nice. Um, so I've already said that we, we met years ago um, uh, and you were a a permaculture instructor, and I guess still are a permaculture instructor. Yeah. Um, Would you like to introduce yourself and just share a little bit more about what that is and what else it is that you do or what what that means and why that is, um, why that keeps you feeling alive?
1: Yeah, okay, fine. Well, um, where to begin? I guess I was really lucky because I... I found what I was passionate about really early in my life. So, you know, I I probably I could probably characterize my teenage years as sort of the no years, the years where I was rejecting lots of stuff, I think probably from like 2014 or something. I think not 2014, when I was 14 in 1984, um, there was the Bhopal disaster. And I think that was probably the 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 item of the news which really kind of connected with me and, and made me realise just how unjust the world was. And, you know, from there, there was kind of, we were all worried that we are going to be get destroyed in a nuclear war. Um, you know, there was uh, quite a lot of that in the 80s and um, acid rain, beginnings of climate change, kind of read a, read some stuff by Oxfam about inequality around the world and started to understand about the IMF and structural inequality and you know, all this terrible, terrible stuff. And I kind of rejected it, but I didn't know what I wanted. And I didn't really, it wasn't like I was searching for anything. It's just I, I knew what I didn't want to do. And I, I kind of decided to make myself a bit unemployable. So I, I did a fine art degree <laughs> and um, did a sculpture, which was fantastic. But when I finished my course, I thought, well, really, I kind of love doing it. It's very creative, but I just couldn't see myself being a kind of famous artist. I think he needs to do a lot of self promotion, which I'm not really into. I don't really use social media much. I'm not, I'm not, I'm a bit quite private as a person. So, um, I thought, well, I'll, 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 I'll just keep an open space and sort of see what, what emerges. And I was just very lucky. And I'll, but very, to cut a long story short, I, I, I went to London to see the director's cut of Blade Runner. Um, and ended up meeting someone in a phone box who told me about permaculture oh wow <laughs> yeah and um, it was someone I, I, I recognised from a squat party in Farnborough from a few years before and he was really tired and I took him on this jet so I said come on let's go have a cup of coffee because it was kind of yeah I guess it was quite late at night but I, I had to find somewhere to sleep so before I hitched back home the next day to leave and um so we were chatting and said, oh, you know, you look really tired where you've been. And we've been to um, Denmark to an international permaculture convergence. I said, wow, well, what's permaculture and what's a convergence? So he started telling me about permaculture and it was a bit like, you know, when you get a present at Christmas and, and you're kind of unwrapping it. And even though you haven't completely unwrapped it, you've got this growing sense of excitement that you think it's just what you want. Mm-hmm. I mean you get the first glimpse of Ah, oh, this is just what I've been looking for or you know and and it was such a sort of joyful feeling that first few months where I guess I'd come across something which which connected my i guess my moral and ethical self, so I was brought up as a Christian, I'm not a practicing Christian now, but you know I'm happy to learn from all the major religions and Certainly, the kind of moral moral thinking of you know love your love your love your neighbour and so on is all all still good stuff. So the fact that permaculture has this explicit ethical framework of earth care, people care, fair shares spoke to me. Um, it was founded on learning from nature and a deep appreciation for the natural world and a, a joy in the natural world and a kind of the yearning for more for more nature that spoke to me um it it's rooted very explicitly in an appreciation of indigenous people and ancient traditions and um and, and science and technology mm. and I thought fantastic, okay, so here's an ethical approach that really has got this deep yearning to work with nature, not against it, but respects all the good things from the past and the fantastic work that and traditions of indigenous people and is also using a kind of scientific and technological approach that that can also help us to meet some of the challenges we've got so it's just very exciting really that something put together those different strands and then i, I guess I, I kind of fell, a lo- fell in love with some of the diagrams <laughs> so you know i i i when I'd hitched back to Leeds from London that night, um, the next day I went to Waterstones and ordered the Permaculture Designer's Manual, which, you know, they didn't, they had to look up a little database and it took about <laughs> a month to arrive. And um, yeah, I read it, I read it, I read it cover to cover and the diagrams were just so creative, you know, and, and, and I think one of the things about permaculture which is so exciting is, if I go back to say some of the um, fields that I knew as a child uh, when I lived in Wales, there were some potato you know farmers that did the grew potatoes, and I went back there you know a few years ago, maybe forty years since I've been there, and they looked exactly the same mm. no no and on one level, that's very reassuring and it's wonderful. Um, the potato field still looked like the potato field that I knew when I was in little shorts and running around with my mates. Um, if I go back to a permaculture, even just a year later, it's different because it's evolving and it's growing and they've, they've found another way to put something else in. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, the thing that's that's quite extraordinary about permaculture is it's, it's about a really kind of living, evolving, dynamic process of working with nature to find ways to meet our many different needs both, you know, physical needs of kind of food, water, shelter, and our emotional needs for community and for, 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 you know, love and support, um, and, and economic needs. It's, it, it's practical. And it, what we're trying to do is kind of create systems which meet those needs in the smallest possible space. And the reason we're doing that is because If we can meet our needs in the smallest possible space, be quite humble as a species, and maybe less demanding on the rest of the natural world, a lot more space for nature. Mm.
2: You
1: know, at the moment, human beings are dominating the the photosynthetic potential of the planet. Mm. You know, we're saying, no, you can't have your plants. We want our plants. We want we want wheat. We want corn. We want you know, except X, Y, Z. and, and where we've got our big fields of, of crops, that means that there's not the rainforest that was there before, mm. whether that's here or around the world. So if we can meet our needs on less land, then there's obviously much more space for, for nature. And ultimately, the best possible steward of natural systems is nature herself. You know, no one does a better job than nature.
2: Mm.
1: But actually, indigenous people have got an incredibly good record as well. So tribal peoples, um, village-scale, small-scale uh, communities. If you look at the highest biodiversity hotspots in the world, they're all managed by Indigenous people. So essentially, if we want to have a, a living world, we need to stand in solidarity with Indigenous people and really help to protect their rights and their land. And we need to take responsibility for meeting our own needs on the smallest amount of space possible, so that we can actively restore and relinquish our claim to much of the land and give it back mm-hmm. the wild, mm. really.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that that combination of things really spoke to me. It's just a very sensible approach. And you know, I I, I guess um, what what should I say? Maybe I should just say a little bit about what I do. Before I get, go to cosmic, <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess, I guess, just quickly, my kind of cosmic view is, it's like it would be amazing to to um, go up in spacecraft and visit the stars, but we haven't earned the right to do that yet because we haven't looked after this planet. Mm. You know, if, if we're truly looking up, if we're truly looking after this planet and we've got it all sorted, yeah, fine, let's have space stations and do all that, you know, mm-hmm. stuff. But. Until, until we've sorted out this planet, we really haven't got any right to go anywhere else.
2: Hmm.
1: And um, so it's, it's yeah, we've just got to get our priorities in order. For me, what I've been doing really since I guess I was 23 and did my first permaculture course at Bradford, in Bradford, at Bradford University, um, I've been, yeah, an activist involved in lots of projects. I did some training. i I could probably jumped in too fast i started sort of passing on my ignorance quite quickly (laughs) i look back and think wow what a what a brave person i must have been Mm. i just stopped in and shared what i knew i mean i think i was always honest and said you know i'm only going to share what i know and if i don't know it i'll tell you i don't know it and that did get me a long way um so i've done a lot of training i've done lots and lots of workshops and Intro courses and full design courses. So I'm definitely a permaculture trainer. I think that's decreased over time. I tend now to just do a course in Leeds once a year. And um, I'm a really big, um, for me, a big focus is needs to be on that kind of local relationship building. Mm. And, um, yeah, we've, we've been doing a course in Leeds since 2006. So we I think we've somehow we're on about our 14th course. Well. So there's a couple two, 300 people in Leeds that have done permaculture training and lots of projects have emerged as a result of that. And so I'm a permaculture trainer, but I guess really more than anything else, I'm an organiser. Mm. So I, I work for the permaculture association. I have done actually since 1999. And, um, you know, my official job title is chief executive, because people kind of understand what that means. It means mm. I'm willing to take responsibility for kind of difficult decisions but on the whole we we work on a very kind of flat flat basis in the in the organization Mm -hmm. just fantastic because i'm in i'm in a a positive a a network full of people doing things Mm -hmm. so it's it's very life-affirming yes yeah
2: yeah
0: so you've been involved in the the rise of permaculture really from very early on in it when you know people really had no clue what that word even meant and and or even very much around the concept of that but there was searching for that and then it came and and I think I remember when I was getting into permaculture years ago I didn't know what it went I didn't even know what it meant after I'd done the training to be honest so I had an idea of of um that all of the things that it included were important and mattered. And that was what mattered to me. That's what I was searching for and striving for a framework and a community that brought all of the things that I felt mattered. People care, humans, after all we are. And, but in balance and in relationship to everything else, the past, present and future, as well as the other living beings that exist right now. And, um, and I love that, um, you know, that, that permaculture um, brought that forward. And now people do know what permaculture is. There's a lot of people. I mean, I'm sure that there's still plenty of people who've never heard of it before. But really, it is a lot more mainstream.
1: It is. And and I think in interesting ways as well. So there's there's the permaculture that people might hear about. You know, there might be a a Guardian article or, you know, Facebook posts or or whatever it might be. And people see projects that are called permaculture. Mm. And and then there's a lot of what you might call permaculture inspired activity where people have done training. They've, they've, they've got that ethics, ecological principles, design thinking approach. They're doing permaculture, but they're not calling it permaculture. Mm -hmm. And very good reasons, you know, it, the word itself, for some people, it's, it's exciting. For other people, it's maybe off putting. Mm. So, you know, words can be both a, a liberating and a barrier for people. And and it's, it's good to know, you know, when to use terms and when not to. So there's a lot of really great work happening that's I think permaculture inspired. Um, and it, it's interesting. I mean, I think if you look at the, the very first course in the UK was something like 1982. So really, I was sort of second wave. Right. So the first maybe 10 years was really pioneering work, very small numbers of people. Um, and if you look at the, the curriculum of that first course, in 1982, it would have been totally radical,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, completely countercultural, you know, this is when Margaret Thatcher was Falklands War. It was the, the economic boom. It was Big Bang in the London Stock Exchange. It was capitalism, you know, really going for it. Was Reagan and Thatcher basically saying, you know, let's go neoliberal. Um, although not saying it explicitly. <laughs> um, you know, it, it was this big change time and permaculture's message was almost diametrically opposed to that. It was completely opposite end of the spectrum, so it was very countercultural. And what's fascinating now is that so much of what was on that agenda, on that curriculum then, is now in the mainstream. Mm. You know, it's really this – I don't have to go on courses and explain what uh, green roofs are or, you know, why cycling is important or, you know, why we need to have a circular economy or, you know, there's some really big stuff. Mm-hmm. Is you know you look at say um, things like donut economics, which is big scale macroeconomic mm-hmm. thinking, uh, by Kate Raworth. Kate did a Kate's done permaculture course. Mm. That, that's her version of permaculture economics. Yes. Now you've got we have got whole cities like Amsterdam saying, "What's our donut plan for Amsterdam?"
0: So exciting! When I saw that uh, article recently in response to the uh, the lockdown.
1: Yeah. Now I'm not for a minute just claiming that work for permaculture but again it's permaculture inspired yes you know she's got the earth care people care fair shares ethic is absolutely firmly within the donut model and that is now being taken up at a city level all around the world yes in fact even but even at a national level so I, I think this is also for me one and really important thing to say in a sort of sense of humility is that it's not all about permaculture you know Permaculture isn't the only group of people that believe or you know that subscribe to kind of earth care, people care, fair shares. It's 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 a broader ethic that we're part of.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, we, we've articulated it, but there's lots of um, lots of people that would subscribe to that approach. So, yeah, it's changing, and I think um, in a sense, I, 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 I saw a very brief video yesterday. It's talking about the, the rise of cultural creatives. And you know, it's a, it's a very large number of people now that really want a quite a different sort of world.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think permaculture is is connecting with a lot of those people. Mm. So you know, it, it, the thing about permaculture, which is fascinating, is that on one level, it's a very very practical approach. So you know, it'll help you think about what to do on an east facing wall. Yeah.
2: You
1: know, what what, what kind of espalier fruit tree should I put there,
2: mm-hmm. or
1: even the idea. of in fruit tree there and how would you do that and what might you put as the under planting and you know how what else could you put on the wall and how would you make that all work well you know permaculture is very very good at the practice you know the actual systems of what you do at, at, a, at a very very home or, or local level but it also has this huge vision mm. you know earth care people care fair share's future well you know when, when people say what's the alternative to capitalism I think, well, maybe it's permaculture. Well, a, a permaculture inspired future.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's not that I want to be dogmatic and say everyone has to do permaculture, but it we needs we need to be ethical and it speak to be ecological. They're kind of bottom lines, aren't they, really? Yeah. How can we not have an ecological society mm. mm-hmm. when we live in a, an ecological world? It has to be.
2: Yeah.
1: It almost feels like we've got this really unfair competitive advantage. <laughs> we've got the sort of moral high ground and nature on our side. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. And I feel like, I mean, for years when I was first getting into permaculture myself, um, I think one of the easiest way to demonstrate it is in the garden and, you know, designing and growing and thinking about uh, things in that way. But what I also saw um, as I got more into it was how applicable it was to all areas of life so you could design your business you could design the way you your what your home and and how you live inside the house and you can design uh the way you plan your year um in relation to permaculture and it's and it's really about principles and the ethics and um and living well and living in a way that makes sense so that you can do what you need to do efficiently and with care and taking into account your own personal needs as well. And, you know, what kind of maps or structures or design tools are available in other fields that allow for yourself and allow for people care Uh, you know I I don't know I mean as you say there are many things now but at the time it felt really revolutionary and exciting to put equal weighting on people care and fair share and and all of those things and and absolutely is what we need it has been what we've always needed but yeah yeah, it's I think one
1: of the things that goes with that is it's about our own agency says so what what can i do mm. what can what can we do in this family what can we do on this street it's not kind of campaigning against something else it's not campaigning to to kind of persuade someone else to do something it's saying, what can i do mm. and that's incredibly incredibly liberating mm-hmm. because it puts you in the space of building your own sense of power and agency mm-hmm. and i think um yeah, it's more exciting than trying to get other people to do things differently. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Trying to, get
1: my, trying to get myself to do something differently is, is much more, it can be actually more challenging sometimes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's achievable. But then what happens is when you when you do live differently, you, you are perceived differently and all of a sudden people want some of that. And it's absolutely the best way of, of drawing people in and creating the ripples that are lasting and and actually work <laughs> in the long term so yeah that's exciting and so you've noticed that um it's becoming more mainstream people are hearing about it more what, what does that actually look like on the ground how what does the permaculture association do and how big is it becoming or how well known or you know what what what's out there in terms of permaculture uh, programs projects great.
1: so there's a a big broad network of kind of i mean i guess you can see you can see permaculture out there at a number of different levels so what's out there well on one level there's a whole load of amazing people and you know like me just ordinary people but people that have decided that they're going to do something whatever it is you know and I, i think it's a, it's a network so there's a network out there and that network is doing extraordinary things really and uh, it the network is in england scotland wales northern ireland ireland every country in europe and actually most countries around the world mm. so not all but we i think our probably most recent assessment with this certainly some sort of strategic permaculture organisation in about 125, 130 countries. Wow. There are projects and individuals in probably another 30 or 40. So we're not far from being in every country. And you know, permaculture isn't nationalistic as such. So it's, but you know, it in terms of the spread, we're a very broad-based mm. global movement, and it's not dominated by the global north or the global south. It's actually one of the very few. Global movements, which is equally well established in both the global north and global south. It's mm. an amazing network of people. Those people are one of the kind of the, the slogans in permaculture is start at the back door. So, the next step in terms of what's out there is those people are then doing the things that they can do straight away every day in their own homes and gardens. So, there's a, an incredible number of beautiful, beautiful homes and gardens, mm-hmm. you know, very creative. You know, whether it's a, a canal boat that's got incredible moorings, and you know, a, a friend of mine in Huddersfield has created a canal boat that's got it's been done out so that it's really good for uh, disability. Um, it's a, a shared thing, they've got the solar, it's got um electric uh, motor. Um, it's a permaculture designed canal boat. <laughs> I've got you know, designed Victorian terraced gardens and houses. Um, you've got new build that's been de- created you know straw bale um, adobe um you know many many different green techniques green building techniques and retrofit activities so you've got houses and gardens which are really energy efficient either because they've been designed and built that way or because they've been retrofitted to become that so my house is way warmer than it was when i bought it mm. um with really fairly straightforward modifications. Um, but I've done that consistently over the last, you know, 20 years and I've got a really comfortable house now. So, so those people are putting it into practice in their own lives. And that means we've got these amazing homes, gardens, but then beyond that, they're also in relationship with their communities. And that then tends to create a whole host of, um, kind of, I guess you could say social and economic activity. So, that might be um car clubs so i i i i don't own a vehicle I haven't owned a vehicle for about more more than ten years um but I'm in a car share, and that we've got four four vehicles in the car share there's about sixteen families in that we share those vehicles we've all got very low car use uh but we've all got access to one when we need one so that's a kind of in part you know part of my permaculture design for my transport mm-hmm. is part of that community approach to delivering our our collective transport needs Um, you've got community supported agriculture schemes so lots of community-based food growing i mean that's probably one of the biggest things that people will see in the network It's, it's it's harder to be invited to everybody's home but it's much easier to go and see the project in the community so I guess the next level out of that household activity is then the, the work that we do in community. So, you know, the hundreds of forest gardens, uh, community supported agriculture schemes, um, connections between, so, so a lot of food orientated work, but also I think a significant amount of work around kind of new economy, solidarity economy mm-hmm. style work. So that's been happening. Um, Partly through things like Transition Towns Network, uh, partly inspired by uh, things like uh, the Reconomy Project. Um, so, yeah, I, I think quite a lot of work around new economy. Um, what else is there? I guess people have been delivering energy projects. So some of the uh, early um, solar energy companies, you know, one or two of those were set, set up by people inspired by permaculture. Um, so a big, less so in this country, actually, because I think that the support for, for renewables has been much more intermittent and challenging from the government. Mm-hmm. So it's not picked quite the same way, but you know, there's certainly energy projects out there. Um, and then I think what one of the kind of categories of project, which I think is most, for me, really inspiring is, is where you, you, you kind of go along and you see the project. And you might see the garden or see the, 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 the forest garden or whatever, whatever it might be, the actual physical space. But actually it's what it's all about the people. Mm. You know, so, um, there's a really, um, inspiring project, which I, I was going to go and see, but because of the lockdown, I haven't actually been able to visit yet called Soulhaven Farm. And there's a really, um, it's in Kettering in Northamptonshire and, uh, uh basically the, the the two people that founded that had a really hard time in their lives, you know, so I, I, I'm not sure how much I should say about that, but they've, they've had, they've, they've gone through their own challenges mm-hmm. and then they came across permaculture and they put it into practice, built up their confidence and their skills. Now they're running a little micro farm. Mm. It's called Solheig Farm. And that farm connects with people that are homeless, that have gone through all sorts of different drug addiction That have had, um, you know, different problems and challenges in their lives. And they have created a space where those people can plant a seed, they can tend those new plants, and they take it all the way through to a point where they're eating the food. Mm. And it's such a life affirming process, and it really helps people to kind of get themselves back on track. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a really fantastic category of projects out there where. Yeah, you can go and see the, the actual physical side, which really is about relationships. Mm. Really, it's about the people care side of, mm. of that work. Um, you know, that if I extend out to the, the wider world, then, you know, I can tell you about the, the communities in El Salvador or um, in Kenya or India where, you know, whole communities are, are being really transformed mm. by, their kind of collective work to create food gardens, forest gardens, um, you know, to create systems which are more resilient to climate change or drought, or flooding, mm-hmm. tackling people's real issues of poverty.
0: It's like, you know, this is the work that's, that we need. It absolutely is the way that we should be living. And yeah. it feels to me like what it does is it gives people the permission and the tools and the language to be able to put all of our uh, our needs to be able to trust that humanity is good and that we can be sustainable and through all of those things it filters into every part of our life you know when I did the earth activist training I was I was a young very green activist you know very nervous about being accepted onto that quite hard to get onto training at the time I remember there was something like a hundred and odd applications or something and I got on and was with loads of in inverted commas activists and people who were doing projects and exciting things and and it just totally blew me away you know it was intense and it was magical and it was practical and it was in a place at Land Matters which you know, what they'd overcome to be able to create an intentional community in the way that they'd done was just incredible. And, and then bringing Starhawk, obviously, over Mm. from America and then with yourself and, and, and then all of the others who'd been doing the Earth activist training for a few years, it was just an incredible time for me and absolutely filtered into every part of my life. And I, I, have have dabbled in leading introductions to permaculture over the years I've done various workshops and my focus having come from a social work background was the people care element of that and still is but as you've said it I've noticed actually I do go from one month to the next sometimes even probably there's been years where I hardly mention permaculture but it's just fundamentally how I live and and knowing that there is a framework for these things and that it's out there is, has inspired me and kept me on the right path actually to mm. always going right. back to is what I'm doing now good for me and then for my community is it good for and going to have a positive impact on the natural environment around us and will it is i'm only taking what i need and and not more and and just having those ethics and all of the um the uh, you know the much more depth that there is in in permaculture that infiltrates into everything is just powerful and to hear yeah. hear what you just went through with all of these projects around the world i mean wow wow yeah, amazing how it exciting really how exciting and yeah. and now we're in this present time so mm-hmm. it's 2020 We've been in lockdown in the UK for a couple of months now, and it's an unprecedented time in history. It's, it's, you know, nobody could have ever predicted it, and we don't really know what's going to happen next. But we did know that something was going to happen at some point, because the way that we've been living is, and has been, unsustainable for a long time, unhealthy and disconnected. So... Yeah, I wonder what permaculture has for us now, apart from
1: everything. What does permaculture has for us now? (laughs) I guess guess the the future is not yet written. You know, if if someone was to write the current world situation into a science fiction novel, you would hardly believe it. It couldn't couldn't be any crazier. Um, But the wonderful thing is that we're all writing it together. And I think that we, we often live by someone else's script. And I think there's a really interesting opportunity now to, to tell a different story. I, I've, I've read um, Sapiens recently, mm-hmm. and um, very interesting book. And really, what he's saying is that, um, you know, ultimately, ultimately, we're, we're storytelling creatures. That's what makes us different to every other species: is we've creative capacity to tell to tell quite abstract stories. So you know, even um but other species will, will can lie you know so a monkey might say oh there's a lion coming but all the other monkeys run away and then they'll go and grab all the bananas but there's no there's no monkeys will say well there's a there's a, a lion king on the hill and he made me the god and you've got the king and you've all got to bow down to me we only want to tell those kinds of stories
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and really What we're discovering with COVID-19, or or what a lot of people are discovering for the first time, maybe, is a lot of our stories just aren't working. Mm. And so there's an opportunity now to create a different sort of story. And, you know, what has permaculture got on offer for us? Well, Earth care, people care, fair shares. It really, in some ways, is that straightforward. We can create a story about a world where we care for the earth, where we care for each other. And where we sh- share our resources fairly between ourselves, between nations, and between our species and the rest of the work living world. And what's fantastic is that for every conceivable aspect of that new story, there are practices, there are approaches, techniques, technologies, networks that that know how to get it done. Mm-hmm. So we, we have increasingly got the know-how. So we've got the know-how to create an electrical, an electrical energy system around the world that we could meet the majority of people's needs, hum, you know, modest needs, um, without the use of fossil fuels.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We know that that's, that's now absolutely, you know, a finished group of scientists have put together a report. Not only can we do it, it's, it's cheaper. And way less polluting than carrying on with our existing system. So there's no real, there's no reason anymore to have anything other than a renewable energy system. Transport, we know that we can convert roads or parts of roads to cycling lanes. Cities around the world are starting to do that. So wherever you live, we can be campaigning for cycling lanes. We we can shift our transport system. We can shift our energy system. We can say, well, actually. If if it was possible to to house the homeless during COVID-19, then it's not beyond our capability to house them after COVID-19. Yeah. So so what are the kinds of new kinds of housing mechanisms or you know approaches that we could adopt, which would mean that everybody in the country could have access to affordable housing? Well, there's co-housing projects, there's workers' housing cooperatives. We've got, again, we've got the models, their choices that we can make. So I think in some sense, one of the things that I would really encourage anybody that listens to this to do is to kind of, where's an area that you feel passionate about? Where's an area that you care about? Um, I don't just mean a geographical area, but maybe, I mean, obviously your, your place, but also your, your, maybe it's you're passionate about transport or the economy or something like that. Have a look at what the, the the methods are for this new story. Who else is doing that kind of work? How can you connect in with that? How can you expand that work? You know, in, in the Permaculture Association, I didn't really say much about what we do, but if you go to permaculture.org.uk, we've actually got a number of different sites. So the Scottish permaculture site the Welsh permaculture site, we've got a knowledge base. In that knowledge base, we've got like 150 different practic areas of practical solutions, mm. you know, from transport to forest gardens to soil care to, you know, education processes. It's all there, really. It's not all there, but there's, there's a significant amount there. Yep. So, so really, in some ways, quite fundamentally, I think what COVID-19 does is it gives us an opportunity to say, we're not happy with the old story.
2: Mm.
1: We want a new story. Or, or let's say an up, upgraded story of, we need to modify the stories to make sure that it, it, we move from a world which is really about profit before people and planet. Categorically, you know, you can say very, very clearly that our current economic system is about putting profit first. Mm-hmm. And that's not good enough anymore. It never was good enough. Mm-hmm. But I think you now there's enough people to say no.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We want, we want a story which is about an, an economy which puts people and planet first. That can absolutely make economic sense. Mm-hmm. Of course it does, because economy is about the good stewardship, stewardship of our resources. That's what an economist does.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Someone who's very – a good a good economist looks after their resources well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So let's look after people and planet. They're our ultimate resources, although I don't like to call, call them resources. Much. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's that new story. And then we can, we can build our own agency. So, yes, sign up, sign for petitions on the Green New Deal and sign petitions for this, that, and the other. But what can you do? Mm. What can you do with your friends, with your family, with your community? What, what's, where's, where's the energy Mm -hmm. in, in your, in your network?
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Pile in there. Mm.
1: there. Give it some support. We need more activists.
0: Absolutely. I mean, this is it, isn't it? It's like, the things that we thought would never happen have happened good and bad yeah. you know obviously people are there's a lot of people who are in fear and and are lost i guess there's a, there's a process of letting go um to that which we knew because we th- we hold on to the things that we know don't we and and that's and that's our familiar and and we think that's the way life is and as as they fall away there's this space that's created and it opens up and if we can do yeah. that if we can have give ourselves the the space to to grieve what we've lost to let go um or not grieve you know that there's plenty of stuff to celebrate now then we can create um a new way of being and just just as we always have you know reinvent 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 you know we, we're we an ingenious species and uh yeah and we adapt and adaptation is crucial
1: it is and and i think that like you say i mean back to the kind of learning is not knowing to a certain extent for a lot of people there is this i don't know what to do next so so maybe it's it's okay there's some learning to do here but there's lots of people that can help um and yeah I, i just guess Actually, I think I've,
0: I've just lost my train of thought there a bit, but, um, hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, but what's exciting and interesting for me, like you say, is that for the first time, people can't go all over the place in their cars and travel to work and they have lots of time at home and they're forced to spend time in their gardens. And actually, probably there'll be some, you know, we'll have the best gardens that we've ever had in this yeah, country. Sorry. And, um and that's where it begins, isn't it? It begins at home and it be- in growing food. I'm growing food for the first time in a few years, actually. And, um, you know, although I'm not under any illusion that I'm going to be able to uh, grow enough food to actually sustain myself, I'm learning. And it feels like yeah. we have that. Um, it's just so healthy to, be, to have your hands in the soil. Yeah,
1: that's right. It is. And I think that one of the things that's important to say is that Covid nineteen has been for for people in the West. This is a kind of one of the a big wake up call. Mm. But it wasn't that long ago that we were really worried about the flooding that was happening all over the country.
2: Yeah. And it wasn't that
1: long ago that we were worrying about thirty thousand deaths from heat waves in Europe. Yeah. None of that has gone away.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that if this is a jolt into action, to say, okay there's there's all the positives about about permaculture i I got into permaculture because basically it's looked like such a positive alternative and positive future and and increasingly i see it as one of our best possible kind of rescue plans you know we have we have we are in a very difficult situation with climate change and you know the, the the collapse of many natural systems and biodiversity and it's this I hope this is a wake-up call for people to say you know we can change but we, it's important what we do
2: mm-hmm.
1: because if we can help increase our household and our community sort of resilience our food growing systems our mutual solidarity networks that puts us in really good stead for the future mm-hmm. and you know I, I'm 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 very aware that there are many communities in in this country that are really suffering at the moment you know. Social inequality is is leaving a lot of people hungry, mm-hmm. and they've got no money, no not a penny, not two pennies to rub together. And so it's there's some really urgent action I think to to build that, to to create a much more inclusive, diverse, ecological economy at the local level. Mm. But re- and the inclusive being so important,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. And but I mean the thing for me is is the The change in consumption, you know, if we've managed to live without buying new clothes and shoes for two months, how much longer could we actually manage to to live without buying new clothes and shoes? And therefore, how much less money do we actually need to make? And what if we were working less? You know, generally, if, if we go back, you know, we still do need things. We will need things, but what if we worked less and spent more time doing the things that mattered to us and that made us feel connected because we spend less yeah. and we consume less? And then, but, uh, you know, I'm not an economist and I'm not someone who, um, understands you know, the job market and, and how that all works. You know, I know that it's all propped up, um, and, uh, isn't essentially working Um, if we were in a real capitalist society a lot of the things that currently exist our banks and and whatnot would have failed and been allowed to fall flat on their faces so yeah I I often wonder you know do we need to be impacting and making those decision makers at the top act and think with a permaculture mindset or is it only going to come from the ground up?
1: I think it can come from everywhere you know in, in terms of change making one of the permaculture principles is using value diversity, and you know, in terms of change making, there are the people that work really, really hard as campaigners to make sure that the, the new agriculture bill has got agroecological farming written in, or you know, the change in that sentence 3.2.4. <laughs> and those campaigners and those policy makers, policy change makers, they do play a role. You know, I. I I don't think we're ready to get rid of the state completely at this point. Mm -hmm. There are things that the government can do for us. And we need to hold it to account and we need to make sure that the policies are are sound. So we do need those policy change people. And and we need the people, you know, I think permaculture is primarily in the kind of build the alternative form of change making. So let's create the future we want and lead by example and demonstrate what's possible. And then you get the changemakers that say, hey, you know what? If we block the road or block the bridge, they're going to have to take notice. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the Extinction Rebellion and CND and the, you know, the people that are doing all that fantastic work on the streets. Mm-hmm. That's really important as well. And I think that at the moment, we need all, all the changemakers we can get. Yeah. The, the thing that we need is that shared story of what we're trying to achieve together. Yeah. And we need to be Really working strategically together. Yeah. So you know the policymakers don't just don't just well the policy the the people are trying to shift policy don't just kind of pass on your own ideas. Go and check out what's happening in the the people that are building the alternative. What do they really need?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Now make sure that your policy changes are really rooted in the stuff that people need. And then you know the the people that are protesting on the streets. Make sure that when you're doing that. You're pointing out to people what policy shifts are needed and what are the practical alternatives. Mm-hmm. So, you know,
0: are we in the great turning?
1: Well, it's okay. mm-hmm. it has
0: to be. I love what you know what you're saying, and and that speaks to the work of Joanna Macy, who talks about how we need people who are doing the holding actions. Yeah. We need people who are um, creating the alternative and. Yeah the shift of consciousness so that we're all on board with moving forwards in a good way together and uh and that's that's the opportunity in this opportunity and we've it's never it. really fully had that before
1: no and well maybe we have i don't know i think that the the thing for me i keep coming back to is it, it's about recognizing our own agency and that could be as individuals or families or communities. Groups I think there's a there's a lot happens when we make changes ourselves. It gives us quite a lot of confidence. There's a lot we can do for ourselves, and then when we notice the other people that are doing stuff for themselves and we group together, then we can create kind of mutual support and, and learning between those groups and then we can actually start connecting with the policy people to say there's something really interesting happening here mm. And, you know, like say with the agriculture bill, it's a, it's a reasonable prospect that agroecology will be in it
2: mm-hmm.
1: because great work from Land Workers Alliance and Sustain and you know, other people that have been doing a lot of lobbying and, and their work has, has rests on the fact that people have actually shown that it's possible to create agroecological farming systems
2: mm-hmm. like
1: permaculture and, and so on. So organics and, and the like. So it all fits together. But I really feel like it, it, it is a really, in, it's a really important time to be putting the practical things into our lives, whether that's thinking about our, our, our own gardens or our community gardens or how we can reduce our energy footprint. Because that's one aspect. And mm-hmm. then the other aspect is, and who can I connect with in my, my network? That means yeah. that we can build that kind of more, that next level up
0: yeah that's brilliant thank you so much andy uh, because i mean it's exciting it's always been exciting hearing about permaculture and i've always enjoyed hearing you telling about permaculture because you do it so well with so much uh, passion and enthusiasm and live it you know it's about living it which is what you've just said it's about living and breathing this as your reality Mm -hmm. and then when you do that, when you have made those changes and you're not just trying and you're not fighting against the system because you've done it, you've made those changes in your life, then you're living it. And yeah. and we're all moving towards a change that can become our local and global reality, which yeah. hopefully is a world that is more connected and in balance than what it is now.
1: Absolutely. Um, no, nothing I've proposed is illegal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah is give ourselves permission
0: yeah
1: yeah
0: so where do people go if people i mean the problem is is that we, we we don't get taught this in schools so when people do want to live differently but they don't really know what to do where do yeah. they go what do we you know
1: so lots and lots of different things that people could do i mean in terms of schooling i think probably our schooling didn't include much but it it is shifting certainly in scotland they've got a much more focus on outdoor learning. We've got a children in permaculture project, and if you just Google children in permaculture, you can find kind of 400 different activities and sort of suggestions for how you can work with kids, um, either in school or homeschooling or, or you know home settings. Really, you know, going out and using the park or the local woods that's going to be you know really important. That in these times, I think for kids to be able to get out and play and to to do that play in a kind of thoughtful way and find learn about nature and let. let how they can relate to, to each other and, and to nature. So uh, there's children in permaculture. That, that would be one Google search, I would mm-hmm. suggest. Um, if you go to the permaculture uh, permaculture.org.uk, um, I think that the, the three buttons say something like learn, join, connect. And um, if you click on the learn one there, then you'll find courses listed. We're developing a design, design for resilience, foundations and permaculture course. That's going to be online very soon. So, you know, even in the lockdown, there'll be, be very possible to do that. And there are other online courses. We're going to do that in a blended way. So you'll be able to connect in with local groups through that course. Um, there's uh, so lots of learning opportunities. Our knowledge base gives you kind of lots of information if you're looking for a particular topic. Uh, in the connect button, you'll find a list of the kind of projects that you can go and visit. And at the moment, we've got a project to we really update that and make sure that we've got a lot more of the projects that we know are out there on that list. So over the next uh, couple of months, that's going to be growing and growing and growing. So, um, yeah, if you have a look at the list of network of what's called land network, you can find projects near you. Um, yeah, you can join you know the Permaculture Association Facebook group. Uh, find us on instagram on twitter no it's all (laughs) your stuff really i mean i think if if you're if you've listened to this and you're interested in permaculture type it into your search engine find out what's near you join the permaculture association do some learning and uh, yeah i guess find something quite quickly that you can do i think Mm -hmm. i would suggest that we've got a 10 top 10 books that we recommend so you could get a book read that Mm -hmm. and pick a project Mm-hmm. Project might be okay, we'll get ready for the winter. I'm going to do some home insulation, or mm-hmm. um, it could be that I'm going to be and I'm, I'm go out for walks in nature and I'm going to pick nettles and wild mustard and wild garlic and, um, mm-hmm. and you know, ground elder and I'm going to make some wild pesto. You know? mm-hmm. That's fun. That, that's good.
0: I've been doing a lot of that. <laughs> you know, push, yeah.
1: push 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 your boundary. Do something yeah do something that might give you some joy and and learn a bit more about permaculture and then do something else that'll give you some joy and talk to people about it and you know, it'll come. Mm-hmm. Steps. mm
2: mm-hmm.
0: Fantastic, thank you so much, Andy. It's been really lovely Absolutely. to connect with you again and, uh, It's really nice to actually journey with you as well through the beginning from the beginning of the and the history of permaculture and, and your journey with it as well because you really have been doing it for a very long time now and uh yeah. um <laughs> yeah and uh, and so uh yeah, I feel very honored to have uh have you here thank you so much. Pleasure, and uh, and maybe we can speak again because I think what we've done here is like done a really nice sort of introduction to permaculture. But we could uh, we could definitely go further in, couldn't oh, we? I'd be happy to do that. Lovely, cool. Thanks very much. Thank Goodbye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope it inspires you to follow your path of deep connection. I love sharing this information so much and I'll always share any relevant links in my show notes. If you like the show, please consider supporting it at patreon.com forward slash Connection Matters Podcast. This is where you'll find bonus episodes, giveaways and behind-the-scenes content from me, as well as having my huge heartfelt thanks for any support that you can give me. It really helps with the viability of the show. You can get most of what will be on offer for as little as £3 per month. Please also subscribe on whatever app you use by clicking that little subscribe button below. That way you'll get all of the upcoming episodes straight into your device. And please leave a review on iTunes, it's so helpful to our ratings. The music that opens and closes the show is actually by my very own dad, Ray Johnson. Thanks dad. And you can hear more of his music at soundcloud.com
2: forward slash vision ray.